In the 18th century, Sir Isaac Watts wrote a song that would become one of the Christmas season's staple songs, Joy to the World. In the third verse, it says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. This curse that is mentioned in the song is what we would like to talk about on today's episode of Groundwork. And what Christ has done to set us free from that curse is what we would like to expound upon. So stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are in the second episode of our seven-part Lenten series where we talk about the implications of the atonement of Christ. We want to talk about why the cross. We want to talk about the importance of it and how it affects our everyday lives. And in the first episode, we did unpack why. The why? Because something broke. (laughs) Something went terribly wrong, seriously wrong, cosmically wrong. And so it was going to require some sort of a cosmic fix to set things to write again, to balance the books of justice. God is a just God, a righteous God, a holy God. He cannot abide a creation full of injustice, unrighteousness, and unholiness. So something had to be done, and that something was the cross. And we'll be thinking more about different aspects of the cross in this series, always, though, with an eye toward you know not just sort of academic questions, but how does this affect your heart and my heart and all of our hearts today? And particularly in this episode now, there is a cursed nature to the cross, and we're going to see that in this program from Scripture. There's a curse, but why is it so bad? So a lot of people may not think about that the cross itself is a curse. Mm. And when people hear curse, some people think of witches and Harry Potter, or uh, they think of, you know, people casting hexes or spells on people. Some people think of bad words. When I was a kid, I was told not to curse. Yeah, don't curse. Don't cuss. Don't curse. Don't say bad words. But this is not what we're referring to when we say curse. We actually are talking about the implications that come from not obeying the Lord. And we see that in the Old Testament, uh, it, the Bible is replete with God's requirements and what he asked us to do. So in the book of Deuteronomy, the final book of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy, as we've thought about before on Groundwork, is a long sermon from Moses in which he's re- reteaching the new generation uh, who have wandered for 40 years. They're going to go to the promised land. And so he's setting the, the, the agenda for the promised land. And so very near the end of the book, Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord. And it goes on to list some. You'll be blessed in the city and you'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed, so forth and so on. But, Daryl, there's a flip side, too. Right. I love how it's conditional. Hmm. And so you got the if. You do this, then God would do that. And so if you obey, you you get those things. But then it says 
uh, further on. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow out all his commands and decrees that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And he goes on to say, you will be cursed in the city, you'll be cursed in the country, your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed, the fruit of your womb be cursed, the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and your lambs of your flocks and you'll be cursed when you come in, you go out. He also goes on to say that foreign countries will come in and take you away as captives. We saw that in Israel's history. Yeah, will happen. Yeah. We realize that and as far as the Old Testament goes, if you obey God, you are blessed. If you disobey God, you are cursed and it's not because he curses you. It's because you failed to do what he said and you have incurred upon yourself the natural consequences of the curse. So it's actually a natural consequence. And we first started hearing about curses in Genesis 3. And uh, we looked at part of that in the previous program, the first part of uh, this series, where the serpent is cursed. But Adam and Eve get cursed too. And what a curse is, is it's things just aren't going to go right. And it's interesting, Daryl, you know, if you look at the book of Psalms, already in Psalm 1, You've got this worldview that says the world is divided into two camps, and it's just this black and white for the psalmist. There's the righteous and the wicked. Yep. And here uh, in Deuteronomy, it's sort of the same thing. Look, there's the blessed and the cursed. And if you're cursed, it's because you're living on the wrong side of history. You are opposing the creator God who made the world, and who knows better how the world is supposed to work than the, the God who designed it. I mean, right? If I build something and give it to my kids, I'm the one who tells them how to work it because I built it. I know the best, right? So if you don't obey God, you're going to be cursed because you're on the wrong side of history and you're on the wrong end of the operation. Things aren't going to work. So Adam and Eve found this out the hard way um, because they started on the right side of history. God gave them one law. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you had one job and you messed that up because you disobeyed him. So now they cross over. And because of that, it's genetic now. It's like in our sin nature. It's in everyone. It's in the cosmos. It's in the creation. The curse had implications. Now it's everywhere. And to this day, we have those issues bothering us because the children of Israel, of course, they broke their covenant with God and they got exiled. No wonder (laughs) the natural consequences they came with the curse. That is part of the issue of why they ended up in exile in the first place. Yep. In all of life, when we see this reflected in scripture too, Daryl, there's sort of good momentum and bad momentum, you know? And sometimes one good deed leads to another and people pay it forward and, you know, all this good stuff, random acts of kindness. There can be good, but there's also bad momentum, (laughs) where one bad choice leads to another bad choice. You do something wrong, you're embarrassed about it, then you lie about it, and you lie about it again, and then the cover-up becomes worse than the crime, and, and things just start going down the tubes, as we say, because all of a sudden, life unravels, and it feels like you're cursed. Uh, And the Bible says, well, you kind of (laughs) are, because you don't follow God's operating instructions. The thing isn't going to work. If it blows up on your face, it's because you didn't follow the directions. And that's what the law is. It's the directions operating, the owner's manual for creation. And so failing to follow that law that God set out, not only did it have physical and, and spiritual implications, it had implications on the whole world. And we are still... In, in that problem now, and, mm. and that implication 
ultimately leads to death and separation from God. And that's the bad news. We're not able to enjoy the love, the grace, the mercy, the peace, and the fellowship with God and one another that he designed, because that was the benefit of following the law. But since we failed that, we're in a situation. We have a big, big problem. And in the next segment, we want to talk about how God does address that. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we have been talking about the curse of the cross and why the curse is so bad and what the implications have been. And we found out that this is a divine problem that started with us people, with Adam disobeying, with the children of Israel disobeying. And you talked about how it snowballed in the wrong direction. I mean, sometimes we get momentum going in the positive direction, but we see in the history of the book of the books of scripture that it hasn't been going that way. And God has to intervene. So there is this principle in scripture, Daryl, of, of sort of like here's like, right? Something of the nature of the problem needs to be involved in the nature of the solution to the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Famously, we saw this in the book of Numbers where the serpents were, they were sent as a punishment to Israel. They're biting people. But God says, you know, the people cry out. So God tells Moses, okay, make a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. And when the people look at the snake, the snakes on the ground won't bother them anymore. So what's the uh, cure for snake bite? Look at a snake. And Jesus will bring that up to Nicodemus. Uh, he said, you know what? Just like I'm going to be like that serpent in the desert. So when you look on me, when I die, you're going to get life. Well, okay. So one of the consequences of sin is the curse. So the solution is going to have to involve a curse too. And the Bible says that the way Jesus died fits that particular bill. Actually, this is actually picked up in Deuteronomy 21, where Moses is in the midst of giving them various laws. And it's interesting how they deal with the certain sins of the law. And in verse 22 and 23, if someone of guilty of a capital offense is put to death and their body is exposed on a pole, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight, but be sure to bury it the same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. Or a tree in some translations, right. a cross on some translations. We know our Lord Jesus was definitely hung on a cross for our sins, and he became the curse right then. And it's not ever been abundantly clear to me, Daryl, exactly why being hung on a tree or on a pole is cursed. But it is. God says it, so, you know, I believe it. That settles it. But perhaps it ties in with human dignity. Perhaps it ties in with how much God values these beautiful human bodies that he made, that even somebody who gets executed deserves some dignity. The body deserves to be buried. You don't just leave it out there to decay or have birds peck at it or whatever, because there's something about that kind of death. And again, the Bible doesn't really tell us why God regards it this way, but God says 
that's a cursed way to die. So don't leave, don't leave them there because that is just so ugly. That is so bad that it's almost as though all of the bad consequences of sin, the curse, you can see it when somebody dies that way. That's a curse way to die. And that exactly leads right into the salvation story. We inherited the curse, if you will, because Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord when he gave the command in the in the garden. But also the children of Israel, they were they made vows to God. They promised there was blood sprinkled on them and all this other stuff to they said, Yes, we would keep these laws when we go into the promised land. Mm. They did not keep them, but they were warned before they went in, hey, you're gonna be a blessed if you obey this. You're gonna be cursed if you disobey this. So they brought the curse upon themselves and by nature of inheritance, we also have inherited that same curse. And that's why God had to intervene to deal with that curse. If the curse Curses and transferred, we'll never have fellowship with God. We'll never be able to fellowship with one another. You wish you could do this almost. I mean, most of us can't anymore. But suppose you started reading the Bible in Genesis and you just step, kept reading right on through. It might take you a while, right? By the time you get to Deuteronomy 21, and by the time you get to verse 23 of Deuteronomy 21, what you just read, yeah, anyone who's hung on a pole is under God's curse. And then you're going to move on now to verse 24. You keep going. Well, eventually you're going to forget about that verse. It doesn't look all that important. It doesn't jump out at you in reading Deuteronomy. Right. You say, wow, boy, that that uh, that hung on a tree thing, cursed. That's, nah. Yeah, you, you'd read it and move on. Uh, there's, there's tons of stuff like that in the Bible. And then you get to the Galatians chapter 3 and the Apostle Paul and look what he says. Uh, this is a uh, Galatians 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And then he goes on in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, and here it is, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So now Paul picks up on that little verse in Deuteronomy 21 and makes a really big deal out of it. I love how Scripture interprets Scripture. It really mm. helps us understand in the purest form what is meant by this. I think a couple of things are going on. What the first thing is like, if you're trying to keep up by your own righteousness, or you're trying to draw your mm. own straight lines, good luck with that, because no one's ever been able to do that perfectly. And the law would be certainly oppressive if we had to continue to keep 600 laws. Yeah. How do you keep that? It just becomes an oppressive, tyrannical thing if you try to keep every single one of those. It's not possible. And so because Christ intervened. We no longer have to do that. We received that by faith. It's a beautiful thing for us to receive by faith. And I believe that we will understand because he became the curse that has been transferred and now pardon can be what we receive by faith. Yeah. And so indeed, Paul's talking a lot about the law there in Galatians 3. And as you just said, Daryl, uh, there's a lot of laws. When you were talking just now, Daryl, it reminded me of uh, the rich young ruler, you know, in the New Testament who comes to Jesus. What must I do? I do, right? So right. To, to inherit eternal life. Uh, Jesus, you know, says, what about the law? The Ten Commandments. He says, got it. Cased it. Got it done. I, I, I did all that. Since I was Any, a little. Yeah, since I was a kid. Anything else? Mm, how about sell all your possessions and give to the poor? One thing I can't do right. And he walks away sad because if you think it's on you, you're always going to get sad at some point because you're going to hit a wall. 
right. something you just can't do or you didn't do quite right. It's got to come by faith, and it's got to come because somebody's got to pull us out of this curse. There used to be a TV show called Truth or Consequences, right? <laughs> if you didn't give the right answer, there were consequences, right? Well, truth and consequences, if you don't follow God's law, there are consequences, and the consequence is being cursed. Who's going to get us out of that? Only the one who became the curse for us. The only way that we're going to get out of it, Scott, is if that curse is transferred. And that's exactly what happens with Christ. He becomes the curse. And then we have our curse taken away and put on him. Just like Isaiah 53 says that our chastisement of our peace has been laid on him. And to quote the famous hymn, it is well with my soul. It says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's good news because Christ becomes the curse for us and that's why we bear it no more. So when we wrap up this program, we're going to talk about how we should live in light of all this great news. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork in this second part of a seven-part series on the cross of Jesus Christ as part of our Lenten Reflections. Why did Jesus die? And what are some of the components to that particular kind of death that Jesus died on Golgotha that are instructive for us and that are good news for us, right? Not just idle curiosity here, the gospel's in here. And today, Darrell, we've been talking about the curse, and we just said that we quoted that passage from Paul in Galatians 3, Christ became the curse for us. That means I get to live a life of gratitude. That's the first mm-hmm. thing we should do. Thank God for this. Thank God that he took our punishment. Thank God that he is the one that becomes the curse instead of us. There's no way we could endure God's wrath. I mean, we couldn't. We can't even endure our own self-condemnation, guilt, and punishment, let alone divine punishment. And so that punishment was passed to Christ, and we get to enjoy the peace and forgiveness that comes through his work that he finished. Some time ago on Groundwork, we did a series on 2 Corinthians. There's this very arresting, striking verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Paul writes, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there's a trade going on. Yes. But I've always found it so interesting, Daryl. Paul doesn't say God kind of pretended like Jesus was a sinner, you know, so that he could put our sins on him. Didn't even say, well, he kind of took your place. Paul says he had no sin, but he became sin. God made him to be sin. That's an amazingly powerful line. It's as though Jesus incarnated not just human flesh, but he ended up incarnating sin itself. He took it all into him so that he was sin for us. Not really. He didn't commit any sins, but he was sin. And that's why we can now be righteous. That's amazing. 
that divine substitution that you're talking about, Scott, is the thing that makes the gospel so beautiful. Mm. And the episode that's coming up, we're going to talk about the paradox of that and why that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But I feel like right here, we need to just relieve people from trying to create their own righteousness by what their achievements are. I don't care what bootstraps you think you have. Pulling yourself up Mm -hmm. by them is never going to help you in the eyes of God. You can't save yourself with your degrees or your, your, your money, your bank account or how many status symbols you think you have, material possessions, you're dating this person, you're married to that person. None of those things will ever set you free. But we have grace and mercy and forgiveness from a God who is rich in mercy. And we get to not only enjoy that, but we get to share that good news with other people. And again, that substitutionary atonement um, that you just referred to, Daryl, we really get it from Isaiah 53. Yes. Verse 4, familiar words to many of us, uh, particularly in the Lenten season. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Our former Groundwork co-host Dave Bast used to point out that sometimes people— Treat Isaiah like it's the fifth gospel, right? There's so much gospel in Isaiah that it's like it's the fifth gospel. But what I like about uh, those verses we just read, the suffering servant that Isaiah is talking right. about, pointing to Jesus, so he's he's going to be full of pain and suffering. And then it says, and we regarded him as stricken by God, afflicted by God. So in other words, we're tempted to look at Jesus and say, what did he do? Wow. He's Who really, says? he's getting nailed. He must have really messed up. Isaiah says, no, 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 no. God's not doing that to him. You are. That's your sin. That's my sin. That's our sin. Not God. It's us doing it to him. I crucified him, as the old hymn puts it. Our hearts are fickle. Like we said in another episode, that our lines, they're crooked. Even though we try to live as straight as we can, we realize we cannot do it. And God knew we couldn't do it. So he intervened in this situation. He saved us from ourselves, from our own implications of our sins. And I tell you this, Scott, if I was drowning in the ocean and somebody literally brought me out of the ocean, I'm not I'm not swimming around trying to make it. I actually literally drown and pass out. They come get me, bring me to shore, resuscitate me, and I cough and come back to life. There's not a person on earth that I'm not going to tell about it. I don't care if you don't want to hear it. I don't care if it offends you, but I'm going to let you know this person saved my life. Now, if that is the implication for my natural life, how much more should I be excited about a Jesus and a God who saved my eternal life? I should be able to tell that to everyone and not be ashamed because he saved us. I deserve that death. I don't get that death because he loves us. So knowing that we live under the curse of living on the wrong side of history because we've disobeyed God and we mess up life and we don't follow the owner's manual for creation God gave us and so stuff blows up in our faces, that's not good news. But that what you just said, Daryl, is beautiful news. He became the curse. Yes. He became sin so that we are out of it now. <laughs> we are in blessing. We are in righteousness. We have life. Our gratitude and our enthusiasm to tell people about our gratitude tends to swell with how big the gift is. You loan me five bucks for a hamburger, thanks. <laughs> you give me one of your kidneys, whoa. Right. I'm never going to forget that. And I'm, you know, so right, you're drowning in the ocean, you get life back, you're going to be eternally grateful to that person. We have gotten our life back through Jesus. And that makes indeed truly 
Etern- we sometimes say, I'll be eternally grateful to you, Daryl. That's exaggeration, maybe. But with God, we really are eternally grateful, no exaggeration. Definitely debtors to him. If I'm in a situation where I may feel like I'm struggling, trying to find my life significance, trying to find my importance, my identity, my purpose, or if I'm just discouraged, I need to know, number one, none of those things that I can do will ever be put me in right standing with God. They'll never put me in right standing with God. That's the bad news. The curse is still on me if I try to make my own righteousness. But here's the good news. God has addressed that situation by making his son the curse. Therefore, I can receive by faith this right standing with God that will be given to me because that has actually been atoned for and been paid for. Paid for. We open talking about the hymn, Joy to the World. And in that hymn, you know, we repeat those last lines multiple times. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, God has saved us. You know, as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed the curse from us. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Daryl Delaney and Scott Jose. Join us again next time as we study scriptures that help us to understand the shame of the cross. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you, or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find out more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 